Hello and welcome to Fire Away, Rudner Law's online show focused on the employment law issues that matter to you. My name is Stuart Rudner. I'm an employment lawyer and mediator and your host of Fire Away. Before we get to today's topic, a couple of reminders. Fire Away streams live online every month and episodes are always available online on our YouTube channel, our Facebook page, our LinkedIn page, and on our website. If you're watching live and you have any questions, we'd be happy to answer them. You can either post a comment on Facebook or YouTube or you can tweet them to at Runner Law. For the first episode of season three, we're doing things a little bit differently. First of all, we have two guests, not one, one of whom is in the studio, as they say. Uh, and second of all, I'm wearing a tie, which I never do. But the content of the tie relates to our topic today. Those of you who know me know that I spend a lot of my time in hockey rinks. And today we're gonna to combine two of my passions, HR Law and hockey. And we're gonna talk a little bit about some of the Interesting things we've seen off ice this season, including Don Cherry's departure from Sportsnet and the uh, movement away from abusive coaches and the tolerance of their uh, of their off ice conduct. So first of all, let me introduce my first guest. I'll be joined by Peter Santini, who is the Vice President of HR Strategies Consulting. Peter, welcome to the show. Thanks, Stuart. Glad to be here. Very excited to have you. And my second guest, who is in studio and uh, joining me now, prematurely <laughs> <laughs> we'll work on the, the line line changes yeah. as we go through the show uh dan mcgarry is a return guest great friend and uh i'm not sure if your hockey knowledge exceeds your employment law knowledge but they are neck and neck i will say so thanks for joining us again thank you good to be with you i think i'll give the nudge to the hockey knowledge <laughs> well we're gonna put dan to the test so the idea for today's show is to talk about some of the things that have been going on in the hockey world that can relate either directly or perhaps indirectly to employment law. Last fall, the hockey world, or at least the Canadian hockey world, was rocked with a controversy. And not for the first time, the per person at the center of the controversy was Don Cherry. Don Cherry is a former player and coach, but I think best known for his role as the face of uh, Coach's Corner on Hockey Night in Canada for the last many, many years. Uh, but in the past, he has been criticized many times for his comments about Europeans, French Canadians, immigrants, and other people. And uh, around Remembrance Day of 2019, he launched into a bit of a tirade, as he often does, uh, about people not wearing poppies in support of our veterans. And the words that got him tr into trouble specifically are in this video. Rob, if you could uh, cue that up. And I'm not going to wait. He says, wait a minute. How about running it for the people that buy them? Now, you go to the small cities, and you know, you, you know those, the rows on rows, you people love, you, you, they come here, whatever it is, you love our way of life, you love our milk and honey, at least you could pay a couple of bucks for poppies or something like that. These guys pay for your way of life that you enjoy in Canada. These guys paid the, uh, the biggest price. Anyhow, I'm going to... So that got everyone's attention, uh, positive or negative. There was no shortage of commentary on this. And a few days after that video aired on Saturday night, we learned that Don Cherry was no longer part of Hockey Night in Canada. And this president of Sportsnet had this, uh, made this statement. He said, it has been decided it is the right time for him, being Don Cherry, to immediately step down. During the broadcast, he made divisive remarks that do not represent our values or what we stand for. So that was the end of Don Cherry and Sportsnet. We don't know if he was 
fired or if he was paid out. We don't even really know if he was an employee or a contractor. Uh, but the whole incident raised some very interesting issues when it comes to the role of employment law. So Dan, Peter, you guys are both very experienced HR practitioners. You're both big hockey fans. Dan, you've been a coach in the GTHL for many years. Let's imagine for a moment that you were the director of HR at Sportsnet. And this story broke and the president came to you and said, what do we do? Uh, what would you tell him? Well, Peter, why don't you go first? Because you were almost in that same role. Right? <laughs> I was close to it. That's true in that perspective. Well, it's one of those situations where you have to deal with a, uh, you know, something that was not planned and you have to react to it because you have to take care of both your internal, uh, uh, you know, people that have to deal with the internal part of the organization and also externally because in a public situation like that, uh, you're also talking about all uh, the external customers and, and viewers that are reacting to this so you have an internal and an external situation however from a organizational perspective if if he's made comments that uh, are against your code of conduct and your uh harassment policies you got to act on those right away and most companies hopefully have policies and practices in place that dictate what they should be doing and first of all by uh, investigating collecting all the data uh making sure that what you're doing is uh, correct in terms of all the information you need to make a decision. So the first thing you do is, okay, let's take a step back. Let's talk to all the people involved. Let's get all the information. And then we decide what to do in, in an appropriate manner. But in this case, because it's a public figure, you have to do that exponentially faster because <laughs> the amount of information that's transpired with all the social media in, uh, involved is going to be quite quick. So you got to be prepared to act and make decisions from that perspective. That's how I'd approach it. Yeah. And you sound <laughs> what I always say to clients is no matter how upset you are, no matter how bad this seems, take a minute or more than a minute, investigate, yeah. make sure you're clear on what happened, and then we can assess what we do. In this case, of course, there's also, there's not just legal issues, there's PR yeah. concerns. Uh, and like you said, you've got to act really quickly. Dan, what would you, what would you add to that? Well, uh, Peter's pretty much nailed it, but there's a couple of things that you both mentioned that uh, uh, require greater reflection. One is the standard of conduct for people who represent the organization. The higher up you are, the more we know uh, you have to be held to higher standards. Uh, Don Cherry was kind of the face of Hockey Night in Canada. But then, was he a contractor or was he an employee? Hmm. We're not sure. And it's been very, they've been very quiet regarding whether or not it was a dismissal or there was a negotiated settlement. Uh, when there's uh, very little release, you tend to believe that there's, something's been negotiated. Uh, with this, uh, when Don says, you people, you come here, what if you heard one of your managerial staff say something like that to an LGBTQ person or somebody who was a member of a visible minority? Would there be any question whatsoever in your mind that that person would have to... Uh, be disciplined severely <laughs> great question now but yep. as we both know this was not the first time don cherry got into trouble for making comments like that so what about the argument that by renewing his contract and allowing him to continue this was effectively condoned i totally agree with that the uh, ongoing prospect of someone's behavior on a longer period of time should indicate what's going to happen if you continue in involved in that relationship one-offs versus a continual pattern of behavior should give you some kind of significant indication of what kind of things you could expect if you don't deal with that, right? 
And I would suspect, exactly. I mean, I, I would suspect that Don was not an employee, but some kind of independent contractor. And they probably had the, these conversations with him over many years of contract renewal. But again, the, the underlying issue is what's, what's important at the time to deal with the behavior or is it financial success? Because I'm pretty sure Coach's Corner bring in a, a lot of money for uh, the, the CBC. So that, that, you know, hypocrisy that continues to be exhibited in these situations. That leads us to a very uh, salient point, And that is the double standard that high performance people mm -hmm. are held to. How often have we seen or heard of high performance people uh, being allowed to get away with conduct unbecoming because they're considered to be stars? I mean, we can go right to the GN Gameshi where allegedly yeah. Uh, when a complaint was made to an HR rep of the CPC, they were basically told, well, he's a star, so get over it. Yeah, and that's a story, I and mean, we saw this for decades, where people who were high performers, high-profile salespeople, the owner of the company, had their own rules. And, and as someone said to me years ago, if your practice doesn't conform to your policy, your practice becomes your policy. So if everyone knows that this is going to be allowed, then you can't just all of a sudden turn around and, on a dime and start imposing discipline. I mean, that, that happens, and, and Dan, I'm sure you'll remember this. Peter, you may well remember it too. Probably about 15 years ago, one of the ministries of the Ontario government fired 14 employees for yep. disseminating pornographic, inappropriate emails and that kind of thing. And uh, of course, the policy said you clearly could not engage in that kind of conduct. They fired them because they were unionized, there was a grievance, and the employees were successful at the grievance not because they could show they didn't do what they were alleged to have done. They did all that and probably more. But what they were also able to show was that everyone did it. <laughs> this was part of the course in that, in that bureau, essentially. For the clients many times who have been in the situation where, for whatever reason, a certain type of conduct has been allowed to continue for years or decades. And now they say, wait a minute, we need to put a stop to it. And we've helped them to essentially reset the situation by making it clear to the employees that, no matter what's happened up until now, these are the rules going forward. And then you've got to actually you know, act upon those and, and impose discipline when they're breached. Uh, and it doesn't matter who it is. Well, one of the things, one of the fallouts we've seen from the Me Too movement, and now a fallout perhaps from the Don Cherry uh, removal, is that we're seeing hockey coaches removed for their conduct. And that was something that really didn't happen previously. I mean, Toronto fans may remember that Punch Imlac basically hospitalized Frank Mahovlich on two occasions with nervous breakdowns, drove Carl Brewer out of the NHL, and uh, had the same sort of uh, personality clashes with Mike Walton, which resulted in Walton leaving the team and having to be traded. In those days, it was just uh, the coach got away with it. And now we're seeing coaches being removed or investigated for how they treat players. Yeah, it's That's a great, great culture shift. And, and, and I mean, we talked about this off air last week. I mean, it, a lot of it does relate to Don Cherry and the old mentality that existed that is slowly or perhaps quickly changing. It was kind of uh, hockey's version of the Me Too movement, where all of a sudden Don Cherry fell kind of like Harvey Weinstein. And all of a sudden we had Mike Babcock and all of his, you know, and I think people inside hockey knew about some of the stuff that he had done. But all of a sudden the stories of his abusive conduct towards players both in distant past and, and recent history came out, as well as abuse of other staff members of organizations. So he lost his job as a coach of the Leafs. And a number of other coaches either lost their jobs or saw their jobs in danger. And all of a sudden, this abusive 
behavior, which we all kind of condone because the coach was the coach, was no longer acceptable. Is it? Yeah, and I think, and I think just to add on that, I'd say that yeah, NHL, the uh, all the all professional sports are kind of slower to react than in the general business world. We've seen things happening a little bit faster, but not as fast as they need to. Uh, and you see this kind of behavior now, the cultural shift starting to happen on to the more uh, uh, predominant type of organizations that the public are more aware of. And that social change aspect is starting to shift now. Uh, I mean, it started in business a few years ago, but now you're seeing it on the professional sports side too. And it's expanding in, in all those areas. And you're right, it's time for change and the organizations and businesses need to change because the demand from those who view and purchase the product are shifting. They're saying acceptable anymore. Hockey players are considered the most conservative traditionalist of any professional athletes in North America. But as Peter's mentioned, we were having a generational shift. And so you've got what I guess you would call woke and because of that i mean uh the stories leaked out that they basically quit on their coach uh possibly because of the uh the way he was perceived to have treated different players uh previously uh i mean mike commodore has never hidden what he feels about babcock and it was basically ignored and treated as relating to Don Cherry, Sour Grapes, which is where he got his, his original nickname. <laughs> well said. Correct. So, yeah, but, but you're right. I mean, my, my Commodore, there were people who were very outspoken about different coaches, but they were largely ignored and not, not at all dissimilar to historic sexual harassment in any business where you may have had someone who complained about the way they were treated by the boss or the star. And more often than not, the person who complained lost their job. And the star continued on, so we are seeing quite quite a shift. Um, so I'll sort of frame the question to, to both of you guys again. Let's assume that you are now the director of HR of a minor league hockey team, and a player comes to you somewhat reluctantly and says that either the coach has hit him or has just been verbally abusing him in front of the team or something like that. What what do you do at that point? Yeah, I think today it's like okay, let's sit down and collect the information, listen to them, uh, try to find out if there's any witnesses, uh, understand and listen, be open to the conversation. I'd say 15 years ago, it'd be, well, you sure that really happened? Are you sure you really want to go down that path? You know, the impact of, of, of this on your potential career, that tone has shifted to, well, if that's what's happened, let's listen, let's hear you. We acknowledge that this is happening. It could be happening. Let's make sure that you're protected and you know, the whistleblower legislation that protects people from coming forward and saying things. And uh, let's get all the information and let's deal with it. Let's act on it so that the culture of the organization and the, and the team is not damaged. And for the long term, let's work this out. But I'd say 15 years ago would be the other way around. They'd probably try to sweep it under the rug or you know, put, it in, put it on the back burner. Hmm. Every person on the bench in the dressing room has to complete specified training on respect and harassment and the like. That's a requirement in minor hockey. It has been for quite a while. Peter's right, it's taken much more seriously now. Around the turn of this century, we heard stories of coaches coming into the dressing room with garbage cans and emptying the garbage cans in the middle of the floor on top of the player's equipment, saying, you know, you played like garbage, you might as well sit in it, and things like that. Uh, rules that we put in, uh, you never are in the dressing room alone with a player. You always have to have witnesses. Uh, 
uh, no touching of the player uh, below the shoulder. I mean, those are all put in for a reason to protect both the players and the, the people, the coaching staff. Yeah. It's quite interesting because from my experience, I have a daughter who plays hockey at rep hockey and at the university. And my exposure to women's hockey is quite interesting because a lot of the things that now have been in place for boys hockey have been in place in women's hockey for since the, since women's hockey started in terms of not having, uh, you know, the coach has cannot be alone in the change room. You can't, you have, can't have any physical contact with them. If there's any conversations it has to be done with someone else in the room, those kinds of things have been in place in women's hockey from day one. Yeah, and good rules, not just in the hockey world, but in right. the business world as well. <laughs> exactly. And Jared, I want to come back to one thing you said, because this really is really important. We have seen this really monumental shift when it comes to hockey or sexual harassment or anything else. But for a while, I, I was actually somewhat frustrating because we went from the situation where you'd have a complaint of sexual harassment and businesses would, like you said, Peter, just sweep it under the rug to the situation where as soon as a company heard the term sexual harassment, whoever the accused was, they were gone. Um, so we went 180 degrees, which was, I won't say as bad, but I'll say almost as bad uh, because you can't just accept these allegations as truth. So one of the things we've been working with our clients on is that making sure they understand that when you get these allegations, A, you can't ignore them, but B, you can't just jump the gun and fire the accused. You've got to do the proper investigation, figure out what happened. And then even if there was misconduct, I mean, let's bring it back to the hockey world. Let's assume that you find that the coach did, you know, verbally harass a player or even hit them inappropriately that doesn't mean you can fire them you know just cause for dismissal and I've, as people who watch the show regularly know i spent a lot of my my career researching and writing about just cause and it is incredibly complex and the threshold for establishing just cause for dismissal is very high and you don't only look at the misconduct in question you've got to look at all the relevant factors including things like how long they've been employed and have they been in trouble before and is there a policy and have they been warned and how do they respond when you confront them? So if you pull them into your office and say, this may have been acceptable 20 years ago, you can't do it anymore. And they give you reason to believe that they understand, you may well not have just cause to fire them. Although you can still choose to part ways, but you're going to have to pay them out. You just opened up a whole new can of worms there, Stuart. That's my job. <laughs> because at the highest levels of minor hockey, the coaches are all paid. So does that make them a dependent contractor? And or an employee, and then therefore, do they have the same rights? <laughs> well, that's they're no longer volunteers. <laughs> it's a great question, and of course, as you well know, a lot of these coaches are coaching not one but two or three teams, in addition to having their training academies and everything else. So they may well be independent. Well, and also on top of that, you you mentioned the point that whether it's a coach or a volunteer, I think the standard of of uh, dealing with the situation is the same, regardless of the. Uh, condition of employment if you want to look at it that way yeah it's uh, a little more, more awkward to the standards and the expectations are the same right uh, even if it's a third party i mean we, especially in ontario exactly. now we have the obligation to uh, under bill 132 or generally in anywhere anywhere in canada you have an obligation to provide a safe work environment which means not only protecting the uh, the employees from other employees but from the contractors volunteers players fans uh, you know, parents, parents. <laughs> coaches and parents, coaches and it parents. Doesn't always go, go, it goes uh, both ways. And there's horror <laughs> stories of how parents have, have treated coaches or even set coaches up mm -hmm. for complaints. It's yeah, no, that's, uh, that's, that's, that's very true. I mean, look, there are some very abusive coaches who don't treat the players with respect, with respect. 
there are some equally abusive parents who don't treat the coaches or the referees for that matter. Yes. I'm not even sure if you want to open that door, but uh, what about protecting referees who, and making sure they have a safe work environment? Who are employees? Who, they are employees. I mean, uh, unfortunately, I think a lot of them are paid under the table, but they are that, still employees. Yeah. Uh, so that's a whole other <laughs> uh, what, what do you do if you're the director of HR of uh, whichever organization is hiring a referee and you go watch the game and you watch the parents yelling and, and threatening and then accosting the referees in the parking lot after yeah. the game? Well, again, that, that whole thing from a legal perspective, Stuart, your duty to react or to uh, be a leader in that situation, even though you, someone didn't come and complain to you, what happens if you actually observe it? If you actually see what's going on, you have a duty to act yes. and you have to Absolutely. act quickly, right? Absolutely. And, and it's a great you know, HR point or HR law point is, is there is, is still this common belief that if there is no quote unquote formal complaint, you don't have to do anything. <laughs> yeah. uh, and as I think everyone in this room or video room knows, uh, that's not the case. And if you become aware of potential harassment, especially in Ontario under Bill 132, you must investigate. And if you don't, you can have a Ministry of Labor inspector come in and order you to hire or, or just go ahead and hire a third party right. at your expense. Hey, this illustrates the level of accountability now that, that exists that imposes some kind of implement, implementation action. You have to do something. You just can't sweep it under the rug. Yes. Yeah. So it's fascinating to now apply everything we just said to the minor hockey world, uh, because I don't see this happening all that often. Uh, <laughs> once you go onto the property of a rink, the rules of normal society no longer apply. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, that the, the, the stigma of causing trouble may impact, especially in boys hockey, may impact the potential of someone's career down the line. Because, you know, majority of parents who have boys in hockey believe their boys are going to be playing in the NHL. So <laughs> never, ever, ever want to get the reputation of being a whacked parent. Because once Correct. you're a whacked parent, you put a bullseye on your, your kids. Uh, and they have potential. Yeah. Yeah, right. And I've my son's playing rap hockey now, and I've spoken to parents who said they have video of coaches being completely inappropriate with their kids, but they will never use that video because they know it's the end of any future hopes for their son. They'll be buried. Yeah. So yeah, that that's the unfortunate part. The fear factor still exists from a you know a society perspective. All these things from an organizational perspective, people are still fearful of coming forward because they still feel some kind of negative things going to happen to them or to someone that they care about. Yeah. And I think that will change over time the same way we've had the whole Me Too movement and things are slowly, you know, we started with Jen Gomeshi, who you mentioned. Yeah. And then I think we took a step backward with the criminal trial and, and the way the complainants were uh, really destroyed on cross-examination, which was unfortunate. Um, but then after Harvey Weinstein and the Me Too movement, I mean, we, we've, we've made a lot of progress in a very short time. Uh, hopefully we'll see that happen in the hockey world as well. We hope. Hey, Dan, I, have a I have a question for you, actually, not for Dan, for Stuart, I have a question for you. Have you seen an increase in litigation with respect to this type of uh, employment legislation? Absolutely. I mean, a, a dramatic increase in the number of complaints or allegations of harassment and, and sexual harassment in particular, um, but like a dramatic increase in the number of complaints to the ministry and the number of investigations. I mean, I, I'm the director of a course uh, called HR Law for HR Professionals at Osgood Professional Development Runs. It's a five-day course. Uh, we've been running it for 12 or 13 years now. And as I've mentioned a few times, when I first designed that course, investigations were a footnote of one chart <laughs> of one day. 
they're now one full day out of five uh, because investigations are required and we're seeing just this dramatic number of complaints made. And if they can't be resolved, then yeah, we're seeing either threatened in, uh, litigation or actual litigation. It's a significant practice area at this point. Which means it's a, it's a significant indicator that, again, society's starting to move to a more comfortable level of which they say, this is unacceptable and we're prepared to take action, right? Yeah. The younger generation is more willing to rights. Right. Absolutely. And combine that with the prevalence of cell phones and cameras <laughs> and the ability to record. Dash, um, dash cams. Yeah, it, it's a, sort of a perfect storm in that, in that sense. Uh, so I want to switch gears slightly. So go back to what Don Cherry said. Let's pretend this wasn't on Coach's Corner on your centerpiece show of your of your network. Let's imagine it was just one of your unknown employees who went on Twitter and said essentially the exact same thing. Um, but you came into work after the weekend and someone brought this to your attention. What do you what do you as the director of HR do in that case? Exactly what Peter said right at the very top. You have you have a duty to investigate. And we've yeah. seen instances, for instance, the uh, the woman in the restaurant out in Western Canada mm. and the and the racial uh, epithets that she was throwing, and uh, she was removed from her role, and then I believe she was reinstated shortly after that. And then we of course we have the the famous case of the uh, the guy leaving the TFC game and mm -hmm. shouting out uh, on in front of a live camera to a female reporter. Yeah, and and as you well know, he was fired. And I think uh, Toronto, I'm sorry, Ontario, no, Hydro One, Hydro One was the employer. Hydro One made a very uh, smart PR decision to not do what Peter and I said earlier, not take the time to investigate <laughs> thoroughly, fire him right away because yeah. they made a very strong statement. And I have no inside knowledge, but I suspect that they probably knew that he would grieve and he would win. And of course, he was reinstated several several months later. But he was reinstated. Very few. Well, because that, yeah, that doesn't make that that doesn't make the news, right? Unfortunately, yes. no. From that perspective, but again, from that, I was going to say the the level of egregiousness of the act determines what you need to do in terms of your immediate action. Uh, depending on the situation, you know, I've used many times when you're kind of in that gray area, you just suspend someone with pay until you know, the investigation is done. So you remove the person from any potential further damage they can do to the organization or to its public image. Uh, you conduct your investigation uh, and you make sure that uh, it sends a message to the, to the rest of the organization. We're, we're taking this seriously, but we're not necessarily gonna deal with the person unless we know all the facts. So they're not gonna be uh, treated poorly. Uh, and you're, you're, you're doing it with common sense and common compassion and also uh, with with decisive action so those are the kinds of things you need to do yeah and, and objective we always say investigation i've made this point all the time investigation does not mean prosecution you're not looking to gather the evidence so you can justify firing them you're trying to find out which is why and i know this drives employers crazy when i say yes you're going to suspend them and it's with pay you're going to pay them and i my advice usually is we don't even call it a suspension this is an administrative leave yeah because there is no cause for any discipline yet until we know if you engage in misconduct and then like we said before once you establish there was misconduct then you can assess what the appropriate level of discipline will be because it's not you know firing for any misconduct at all yeah. it's got to be particularly egregious and again you got to look at all the uh, the relevant factors before you make that decision whether we're talking about don cherry in front of millions of people on hockey in canada or some low level employee on his his or her blog doesn't matter you're still going to go through the same process 
I mean, uh, Mark Crawford uh, was not on the bench for, I believe, four games this year while they conducted some sort of investigation. investigation into his previous conduct with other players, and then he was reinstated. But now you're segueing into a whole new uh, show about employment contracts and progressive discipline and allowing for uh, suspensions without pay in a contract. <laughs> yeah, uh, and the other interesting issue that I know we're mindful of time as well, but the, this is actually a really, really fun discussion. Um, but we talked about you know Mark Crawford, so he's suspended for four games. And I often get this pushback where I say, put somebody on administrative leave, go through the investigation, then you'll make your, your decision. And the pushback I get is, well, but once we do that, how can we bring them back? It's going to be impossible. And that's actually a great example of where this wasn't just, you know, isolated in-house. This was public knowledge where everyone knew he was suspended. And yet, once the investigation was done, they reinstated him and life moved on. So it, it can be done. Yeah. yeah, officially he was on leave. Right. <laughs> the other example was uh, Steve Pakin, you know, who had allegations oh, of sexual yes. harassment. Yeah. Uh, again, that was very public, very visible. There was no way to keep that under wraps. But the company did a great job of saying, you know, we are going to investigate first before we make any decision. We're not going to assume guilt or innocence. And there was a very public investigation. At the end of the day, the conclusion was that the harassment was not made out. So his, his employment continued as well. And we have the aspect of double jeopardy. Can you uh, punish somebody twice for the same uh, misdemeanor? Yes, no, that's a great point. And I've had employer clients who have wanted to do that as well, where, you know, so-and-so, we, we suspended him a year ago, but uh, now I think we should fire him. He hasn't done anything wrong since then. <laughs> so, uh, very similar. So I, uh, I guess that's probably a good, good time to segue. So we're going to wrap up our discussion period at this point. And normally I would thank Peter and Dan for joining me, and it will be my, my chance to, uh, to take my shot at firing away. But both expressed a desire to take their own shot. So I'm going to give uh, turn it over to them. I think, Dan, you were going to go first. Sure. All right. Go ahead, I'm, I'm going to go off on a bit of a tangent here regarding the Don Cherry uh, situation. Uh, purely theoretical, based on uh, having met the man on a number of occasions, having had some interactions with him. Uh, having read his books and uh, knowing people or, or having people speak about him. Uh, Don has had some protracted contract negotiations the last couple of years, and he is 85 years of age. He's not going to go on forever. None of us are. And he's always stated that he wanted to go out on his shield. So I'm really wondering if in this instance, he didn't just fall on his own sword. If he picked his battle, his hill that he wanted to die on. And rather than ha not having his contract renewed, being phased out, being thought to be old and out of date or no longer with it, Don decided Remembrance Day, veterans, poppies, these are things that he's always stood for all his life, that this was it and he was gonna make his stand on this, knowing full well what the fallout would be, but he'd be able to say, look, uh, I got, uh, you know, my career came to an end on Hockey Night in Canada because of my vociferous uh, defense of poppies and veterans. <laughs> I love the Don Cherry thumbs up. Yeah, the thumbs uh, up was good. He does have his own podcast, so maybe one day he will actually uh, re reference that and we'll find out if your theory has any merit. Depending but, uh, on if there was a release signed. <laughs> absolutely, but I love the theory. Peter, you want to take your shot? 
Sure. Uh, I'd say mine's more of a significant frustration as opposed to a rant, but I can share a small rant after this that I think everyone can identify with. But like, I'm, I'm dumbfounded by the hypocrisy that I've seen over my career with boards of governors and, and boards of directors uh, with their, the fact that they're not doing their jobs. They are responsible for managing the leadership of organizations and they continually turn their heads away from bad behavior from leaders, if not some cases, criminal behavior. You know, they, they're just basically reinforcing the fact that, hey, what's more important is the financial outcome, not the culture of the organization and not dealing with it. This hypocrisy and this non-accountability, that's the current state we have. And we have to, and I, I'm just frustrated with these boards of governors, they're not doing their job. So for me, to all the board members out there, step up, do your job, and things should get better a little bit faster from that perspective. And on a, on, a, on a more personal note, I have one rant I wanna share with you. For those of you who drive the 400 series in, in, in <laughs> Ontario, if you're not passing, get out of the left lane. <laughs> get out. That's what, I, that's what really bothers me. Thanks. I appreciate the opportunity, Stuart. <laughs> Thank you, Peter. We've, we've expanded the, uh, the range of topics for the rants dramatically this week, but that was great. I could not have said it better myself. So thank you. <laughs> Uh, that is all the time we have for a season three episode one of fire away thank you to everyone for tuning in peter dan thank you yes. for making this a truly enjoyable show and relieving me of the obligation of coming up with a rant because you came up with uh, i think far better rants than i could have our next episode of fire away will be on tuesday march 17th which also happens to be saint patrick's day and also my mother's birthday if you have any questions after today's show feel free to email us at info at runnerlaw.ca Remember, again, that past episodes can be found on YouTube, on our website, and are archived on Facebook. If you like or subscribe to our pages or channels, you'll get notifications of all the episodes when they're live. I invite you to keep in touch with Rudner Law throughout the month. Check out our blogs, our social media feeds, and sign up for our newsletter. But as always, please remember that if you think you may need an employment lawyer, you probably do. None of this replaces legal advice, so feel free to reach out to us, and we'd be happy to help you. Thanks to Rob, Rebecca, and Mark for helping put the show together as always. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next time.